All right, if you're here and you've got your copy of God's Word, I'd like to invite you to take it and turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. This is one of those Sundays where we're going to have the scriptures up on the screen. We've got three or four, maybe five to turn to, and so they will all be on the screen, but you're still welcome to turn there. Also, all of the scriptures are going to be at the bottom of of each slide that we're going to have, so that uh, if you want to go back and look at them later, you can write them down and you can reference them at home. Uh, Before we start, choir, that was a fantastic song. Uh, we as a church, we thoroughly enjoyed that. That was very worshipful. So thank you uh, for the hard work you put into it. Let me go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for all of the blessings that are found in you. Lord, we thank you for forgiving us of our sins. We thank you for saving us out of darkness while we were yet sinners. And we thank you for calling us to a glorious hope that's only found in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that we would be uh, a people that can experience peace. Father, I pray that we would, uh, through your scriptures, see the great cost you paid to obtain peace for us. And Father, I pray that we would spare no expense uh, to do what you've called us to do and to have peace ourselves. And so, Father, I pray that you would right now feed your people. And Lord, I pray that you would use me to do it. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, peace uh, peace is an interesting word. Uh, if I were to say, how many of you have too much peace in your life? How many of you would raise your hands? Nobody. If I were to say, Hey, the holiday season is coming up. How many of you would like to trade your normal family gatherings for ones that are filled with no peace, right? Like, like this is the time of year where everybody's starting to cross their fingers and go, okay, I hope that when the whole group gets together that we can make it through the holidays, right? All right. Okay, good. We got some honest folks here this morning. Good deal. I'm glad y'all showed up. If you were to Google the word peace, you would find 948 million websites that deal with peace. So you, you pull up the Google machine, you type in the word peace, 948 million results. That's a lot of, that's a lot of people interested in peace, isn't it? I bet you didn't even know there was that many websites out there, did you? Some of you, you went from being really honest to really dishonest at this point. Okay, anyways, and so if you were to look at peace, these are some of the things you would find. These are some of the the organizations we have geared around peace. You've got the Peace Corps, you've got Peace Prizes, Peace Poles, Peace Colleges, Peace Endowments, Peace Gardens, Peace Institutes, Peace Protests, Women for Peace, Jews for Peace, Buddhists for Peace, Religions for Peace, Musicals for Peace, Children for Peace. And the list goes on, like I said, 948 more million times. If I were to say, how many of you want more peace in your house with your kids? How many of you want more peace in your marriages? How many of you want more peace with your parents? How many of you want peace with your school? And it goes on and on and on. And then if I were to say, how many of you wanted peace within your church? Hopefully you would say, yeah, we could stand to have a a little extra pinch of that as well. And so you've got all of these things relating to peace. And the Bible is really clear when it comes to peace, what it took to get peace. And the Bible was really clear, actually, in what it takes to keep and maintain peace. And so this is one of the things that I want you to see in the scripture. And this is out of the book of Colossians. Real peace is a priority. And when I say real peace, I'm not talking about the peace that we call southern hospitality, where if nobody brings it up, it's not an issue. Right. I'm not talking about the elephant in the room that's biggest day and making a mess and nobody's talking about. Right. I'm talking about real peace where where people can come together 
They can agree to disagree at times and they can have peace in the midst of what would normally be conflict. Wouldn't you love to have peace today? Wouldn't you love to walk out of here and just experience? (sighs) I can tell you it takes work. It takes a lot of work. And this is what the scriptures talk about when it comes to how we can have peace. This is Colossians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 15. We're going to go all the way through verse 20, but we're only going to go to 19 on this slide. And this is what first Corinthians, excuse me, this is what Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says. He, this is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so, gang, just while we're getting into talking about peace, every single thing, right? Listen to this. Every single thing was created by him and for him. And so if you see any obstacle in your way of getting peace... You need to know that whatever you see as an obstacle, Jesus created for him. Excuse me. Jesus created and he created it for himself. And in a minute, we're going to see the great cost that Jesus went through to get peace. And so you don't have any obstacles that Jesus can't overcome because he created every single one of them. And he didn't create them originally as obstacles. Originally, he created whatever your obstacle is so that he could receive glory, honor, and praise from it. And so there's not a situation... That anybody is thinking about in this room that Jesus hasn't paid the price for that we can experience peace through. And so here we go. He is verse 17. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Get this. This is verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And this is one of our obstacles to having peace oftentimes. Oftentimes we want to have Jesus and we want him to save us from our sins. We want him to give us grace abundantly to forgive us. And then we want to take him and we want to put him over here and we want to live our lives however we want to live them. And Jesus says, no. He says, I'm all of these things so that I can have first place in everything. And you won't have peace unless you're willing to do the hard work of putting Jesus first place in everything. Get it? Everything. We have such a tendency to compartmentalize our lives and say, okay, Jesus can have Sunday morning from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Nah, 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 nah. I'm not into Sunday school. Jesus can have 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock. And if the preacher goes past 12 o'clock, Jesus doesn't get that because I should be at the restaurant, right? Like, see how quickly we take Jesus out of first place when our watch hits a certain hour? Anyways, that's a little bit of a joke. But I want you to see Jesus wants to be first place in everything. And this is one of the steps that we have to finding peace. Then he says in verse 19, for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And so all the fullness of God was dwelling in Christ and Christ has this pedigree. He's firstborn of all creation. All things were created by him and for him. He's before all things. All things hold together in him. He's the head of the body. He wants first place in everything because all the fullness of Christ 
All the fullness of God dwells in Christ. And for what purpose? I'm glad you asked. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And I want you to see that that Jesus is all of those things so that he can reconcile all all things to himself. And we've said that the word reconcile is a financial term. Uh, a lot of you are more financially savvy than me, but when you're balancing your checkbook, when you're doing things for your business, you've got, you've got what, what you say on one side, you've got what the bank says on the other, and you reconcile those things together. You bring them together to make them right. And Jesus wants, excuse me, God has designed things so that all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus so that Jesus can bring the whole world to himself and the whole world can be reconciled to him. And that's step one of peace. That the whole world recognize who Christ is and the whole world put Christ in first place and Jesus brings the whole world to himself. And how did he go about making peace? What gave Jesus the authority to, to bring everybody together and to reconcile all things to himself. And it says that he made peace. This is the middle of verse 20. He made peace through the blood of his cross. And this, he says, are things on earth and things in heaven. And so, gang, Jesus is able to bring us all together to himself because Jesus came to this earth and he died the death that we deserve. When Adam ate the fruit... Adam and Eve sinned. They were separated from God. And everybody from Adam and Eve on deserved nothing but hell. Right? They've sinned. They've fallen short of the glory of God. And we're all in the same boat, living in darkness, deserving whatever we get. But God, being rich in mercy, sends his son Jesus to this earth while we're yet sinners. And he dies for us to bring us to God, to reconcile us to God, to make us right with God. And that's how we can have peace. And over and over and over again, the scriptures say, gang, that not just your sins being forgiven is the exciting thing about following Christ, but that you've been made right, that you have, that the wrath of God has been taken care of through Jesus's death on the cross. And so Jesus came to this earth to make peace. And if Jesus has made peace with all of us, who were against him at one point or the other. We need to be a people who make peace with one another. And I want to see you, I want you to see, the first thing we said is that real peace is a priority. I want you to see how much of a priority peace is. Because we all know that Jesus is very concerned, and God is very concerned about receiving worship from us, right? Like one of the the main things that God wants from you is for you to worship him and for you to obey him. And I want you to see how much of a priority this peace is. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Listen to what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. says, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar. So here's the scenario. This is Old Testament scenario. You've got to come to the temple to worship the Lord. And he says, if you've got something to offer the Lord as an offering... Now, there were all sorts of prescriptive offerings. You had sin offerings. You had goodwill offerings. You had offerings for everything under the sun. He says, if you've got an offering to give to the Lord, listen to this. And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering before the altar and go first and be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Is that not incredible? That God says... Through Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He says that being reconciled with one another. 
being right and having good relationships with one another is so important that you should halt your worship of God in order to get your relationships right. And then you should pick that offering back up and then you should give it to God. Is that not fascinating? So this morning, you got the gang in the car. Shut up, kids. We're going to church. Get in the car. Ever been there? We're going to church. Where are your shoes for crying out loud? Just get something on. At this point, I don't care what you wear. Just get in the car. And you do all of that hard work, all of that hard work to get to church because you want to worship the Lord. He says, no matter what you went through, how many miles you drove, what sort of storm you had to go through in order to get there. He says, when it comes time for you to offer me something, when it gets time for you to serve me and worship me, he says, you need to stop what you're doing. If you have, if you know that your brother has anything against you and you need to go make it right with that individual. Then you need to come back, pick up your offering, and give it to the Lord. That's how important our relationships are to the Lord. They're so important that he has told us in the scriptures, stop worshiping, make the relationships right, then come back, pick up things, and worship me. And he goes on, and he talks about how important it is. He says, make friends quickly with your opponent. This is verse 25. So this is if you know that you've offended someone and they're going to take you to court or they're going to take you to law, you've really done something wrong. He says, make friends with your opponent while he's on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. And he says, gang, you need to go to people that you need to make peace with. Listen to this. You need to stop worshiping. You need to go to them and make peace then come back worship the lord so worship is a priority this is the hard part real peace is expensive what would you pay to have peace in your life what would you pay i know people that would give everything but their lives to experience real peace that life is such a headache that they would let go of everything they would die cold naked and, 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 and outside in order just to have peace. There are people, even, even Solomon recognized this. Listen, don't take this the wrong way. We're on a really good track. But, but the book of Proverbs, Solomon says, it's better to be under a dripping roof than to live with a nagging woman. Like, like don't, don't shoot the messenger. But we're talking about Solomon's recognizing a man who doesn't have peace. And he says that when it comes to not having peace, like, like, okay, so now I've offended half of you and the other half of you thought that was really funny. But Jesus said it, not me. Excuse me, Solomon said it, not me. And so you have, you have some people who, who want peace so bad. They said that it would be better for them to live outside under a dripping roof than it would be to live in the circumstances that they have. And so gang, what I'm getting at is that the Bible recognizes that sometimes it's tough when it comes to getting peace and it's expensive. The cost of peace. And let's talk about what the price was. This is First John chapter 4, 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, 
we ought also to love one another. And I want you to focus in on that verse 10. This is love, not that we loved God. So don't think that you have the capacity inside of you to love God without him working in your life, because we don't. So we love God because he first loved us. And this is what God, this is what love looks like. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And we said that the word propitiation means an offering that takes the wrath of someone. And so Jesus, or excuse me, God is flat out angry with our sin and us. He sends his son Jesus to die and take that wrath that he has towards us. And so in order for us to be reconciled to God, it took him giving his son, Jesus Christ, to die. And so don't ever forget that the only reason you have peace with God is because God was willing to pay the high price involved for you to have that peace. And so when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you experience the grace of God and the peace of God in your life, it's only because Jesus died the wretched death that we deserve that you get to have peace with God. And it is fantastic. He was glad to do it, but don't think for a second that when his son was hanging on that cross that it didn't cost him dearly. And so he says, beloved, verse 11, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so he says, if, if the cost was high enough for God to send Jesus so that you could have peace with God, you need to pay whatever price it takes to have peace with those around you also. Because if God loved us, we ought also to love one another. And gang, just a little side note. If we all in this building can't love one another, why would anybody else want to come and be a part of what we're doing here? You ever give that any thought? Why in the world would our neighbors that live within the shadow of our steeple, why would they think that we can, we have the capacity to love them if we can't love each other? It's true. It's a fact. And so gang, we need to be people who know that God sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be made right with God. And then we need to be willing to do the hard work, the expensive work, to make things right with each other. And when I say it's expensive, it costs God a lot, but it's going to cost you a lot also to get things right with people. You know what it cost us? It cost us that thing that we protect more than anything else, and it's called pride. When you make things right with somebody else, you've got to swallow that pride, and you've got to have a conversation with them. And I just want you to know that it's never a one-way street. There's a give and take when it comes to this pride thing. Life doesn't happen in a vacuum is a popular statement, right? There's, 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 there's forces at work in every direction. And if you're going to have real peace, not the fake stuff, not the, if you don't talk about it and I don't talk about it, we'll just get through it. No, you want real peace. It's going to take swallowing copious amounts of pride and getting things right. Do you think it was great for Jesus to die on the cross? So listen, I've had people very mad at me about some things. Now, now some of you are going to read into this and you're, you're wrong from the get-go. But there are things in my life that I've done exactly right. And I have had people furious at me. Absolutely furious. Right? And see, you don't know what I'm talking about right now. So just bear with me. There are things that I've done right and people have been furious. And I think about Jesus. Jesus didn't do a thing wrong. Not a thing wrong. And they took all of his clothes. They nailed him to a tree. They hurled insults at him. They ultimately killed him. 
And then they jabbed a spear right in his side. And the man did nothing wrong. And when I think about some of those instances where maybe I didn't do anything wrong, I think, you know, even though in that particular instance I may have been in good shape, there's a boatload of stuff that I have done wrong other times. And it just may be that people don't know about it. And so I am no more righteous than Jesus, who swallowed his pride, took all of the punishment that we deserved on himself so that we could be reconciled to one another. And so I tell you all of that to say, whether you're right or not, we need to make peace with one another. And we all need to swallow a little bit of pride, and we need to come together and make things right. And that could be in our church, that could be in our families, that could be in our offices. But we should be people who have peace everywhere, because Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, lives in our lives. Dave Ramsey. Any of you guys listen? Any other nerds out there that listen to Dave Ramsey? He's a financial guy. Dave Ramsey finishes up every single one of his broadcasts. He's a financial guy. The name of his stuff is Financial Peace University. And he says, you'll never have financial peace until you know the Prince of Peace. Just a good principle. And it's true. You won't have any peace in your life without Christ in it. And if Christ is in our lives, how can we keep going on without the peace that he offers? And so we keep going. And I want you to see that real peace is only found at the cross. And that's back to Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. Real peace is only found at the cross. And why is it that real peace is, excuse me, why is it that real peace is only found at the cross? Let's talk about the cross for a second. The cross is the instrument that was used to, to, to kill Jesus ultimately. The cross is the tool that Jesus was offered up as a sacrifice on. And it's at the cross where we come to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us of all of our sins. And so let's talk about what it takes for a second to receive forgiveness of sins. Anybody, when they were growing up, learn the ABCs in order to lead someone to Christ? Anybody? Just maybe a head nod. The church that I was a part of, that's the way that they taught everybody to lead someone to Christ. It was when you're praying with someone, get them to admit that they're a sinner. Get them to believe. Get, put their faith in Jesus Christ. And then get them to confess their sin. Okay? This is the, the nuts and bolts of how to, how to pray somebody through something that we would call a sinner's prayer. So, my, hey, hey, hello God, my name's Bobby. Uh, been a long time since we talked. I want to admit to you that I'm a sinner. Because you can't be saved without confessing that you're a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose from the dead. So I've admitted that I'm a sinner. Now I'm putting my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ to save me of my sin. And now I'm going to confess my sin because the book of John says if we'll confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so now I've, I've admitted I'm a sinner. I've put my faith in Jesus and I've confessed my sin so that God can forgive me of my sin. Because there is no forgiveness of sin without confession of sin. And so what is it that going through the cross brings us to peace? It's that when we come to each other, we've got to admit, hey, there's a chance. If we want to have real peace, there's a chance when we get together with that person, we both need to admit, hey, there may be some things that we both didn't do right to have peace. It's admitting, believing. I believe that Jesus is big enough to fix this problem between the two of us. And I just want to confess to you that, hey, maybe I haven't lived up to everything that I should have been. And I'm sorry for that. That's going through the cross, looking for forgiveness, confessing sin, expressing belief. And that's what it looks like to go through the cross. 
And then I want you to see that when we do that, when we really do the hard work it takes to get peace, that it has absolute eternal consequences. And this is in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And my age is telling on me because I can't really read that from that far. And so I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to see how this has eternal consequences. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see what he's done there? Listen to this. This is verse 18. Now these things are from God, who made peace with us, reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then what did he do? He reconciled us to himself, and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He said, this is what it looks like, gang. I love you, regardless of where you come from and what you've done. Be reconciled to me. I forgive you. And so after he's given that wild forgiveness to us, then he says, hey, this ministry is yours now. You go make reconciliation with each other. Amazing, isn't it? He's modeled it for us, and then he gives it to us. He says, namely... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is verse 19. Not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21. He made him who knew no sin. To be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so gang... I want you to know that reconciliation is a priority in God's economy. He's given us real, real open text that tell us exactly how we're supposed to be reconciled to one another. I've been told several things. I've been told, one, it doesn't work. And I've been told the people won't do it. But I want you to know that I have faith in our God who is bigger than anything you've ever seen. Who's the creator of all things and all things were created for him. And I want you to know that if we will follow God's model of reconciliation, there is nothing that God won't see us through as a body. And there's nothing, if you'll follow God's plan for reconciliation, that he won't get you through within your family. Gang, let's pray that our pride doesn't get in the way. Let's pay that we're willing, let's pray that we're willing to pay the high cost involved. To get this peace that the scripture is talking about. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for reconciling us to yourself. Lord, thank you that we can be at peace with you. And Father, I thank you that you have also given us a way for us to be at peace with one another. Father, I pray that we would indeed lay our gifts at the altar. Go make things right with our brothers and sisters. And then pick that offering back up and proudly present it to you. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us where we fail you. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have the freedom to work in our lives and in our hearts. Father, I pray lastly that if there's anyone here, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, if there's anyone here who's never made peace with you, came to you for forgiveness of sins, and received eternal life in heaven. I pray that this morning would be the morning they do it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand with us for our hymn of invitation.
you guys stay standing just for one second. I, uh, you know, usually we, we sing through our song and our song of invitation and we, we go ahead and we, we roll out and we go our separate ways. Uh, I don't normally finish before 12 o'clock, right? So I looked at my watch and it's two minutes till. And I want to make the most of these two minutes. The Holy Spirit's moving around us today. And a lot of you guys know we got a lot of broken pieces in our church. You know it. And it would be really awesome if we sang that song again. And it would be really encouraging for me as your pastor. If one person, or if all of you, came to the altar to pray for peace. Jesus paid a high cost for peace. And the only way we can have peace is through him. And it would do my heart really well if at a minimum all of our deacons would come and pray for our church. And if we were a church who put our faith in a God who answers prayers. I mean, last week we saw a God who's, who, a guy whose life was absolutely rocked by Jesus Christ. And instead of just throwing up our hands and giving up, why don't we get on our knees and pray? And so we're going to sing through the whole song again, okay? If you got to leave, no hard feelings. You do what you've got to do. But I would love to see some people praying for peace. And I know that there's some, some families that need to pray for peace also. And I would love for today to be the, the stake in the ground where we started fighting for peace through prayer corporately as a church. And so will you guys wind that one up again and play through it again? And then after that... I will pray for us and we'll be dismissed. But if at a minimum, if our deacons would, would, would join me in prayer for our church, I would really appreciate it. John? Thank you for those of you who, uh, who came down and prayed. I appreciate it more than you know. Um, I want you to know uh, two things. Uh, one is that the Lord is on the move at our church. And I get a chance to hear... A lot of things that you don't get to hear. It's a pastor privilege. People tell me things in confidence all the time about what the Lord's doing in their life. Well, probably not enough, but, uh, but I get to hear just enough of what the Lord is doing in people's lives and the stirring that is going on. And I want you to know, too, so, so don't forget, number one, that, that God is on the move around us. And number two is that I'm committed to being your pastor for the long haul. Okay. Whether that's encouraging to you right now or whether it's discouraging to you right now, I want you to know that I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. Okay? Right? Hey, thank you, Miss Alma. I love you guys. I love you guys more than you'll ever know. I care about you more than you'll ever know. And I want you to know that I take very seriously... The responsibility of being your shepherd and leading you where we're supposed to go. And we may have to walk over some rocky ground. We may hurt each other's feelings in the process. But we want Christ to be the one who is honored and glorified in our church, regardless of the cost. And so, I love you guys. I want to pray for us, and I'm going to turn us loose. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for peace amongst us. Father, I pray that this would be that stake in the ground where we started dealing with conflict properly. 
where we began to seek peace in the ministry of reconciliation that you gave us. Father, I pray that your spirit would still do a mighty work in our lives. And Father, I pray that we would together move forward in a God-honoring direction. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.